this look like work to you? You're listening to the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Romanella. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be the best cheerleader. Father Time apparently doesn't know Tom Brady's address. And Anthony Rinaldi. Love the hardwood. That's my passion. Houston, they don't have a problem. Listen, you don't even have to listen. The show starts now. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast back with you on this beautiful midweek episode 19. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and alongside me is my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, Houston, we have a problem. A seriously big problem, and it's called the Golden State Warriors. We will get into that, obviously the Cavs and the Celtics. We'll get a little bit into the NHL, but we're going to save some of that for our dab. What does Anthony know about sports? Well, not a lot, as we've been learning. A little bit of MLB action, which you know I love. I hate her. And of course, what do you got, which might be positive for my partner this week. Before we dive into it all, though, you know it and I know it. It's called Instagram and Twitter. Social media. At Double A Balls on both DAABpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, iTunes, however you consume your Double A Balls podcast. Please rate it. Please subscribe it. Please share it with your friends. You know the deal. And of course, PowerArmPerformance.com for the apparel right now in the eastern conference of the nba conference finals anthony rinaldi we have a home home series it seems like neither the celtics or the cavaliers can win on the road they say a series doesn't start until the home team loses so i guess technically the series hasn't started yet andrew so i don't know what you're talking about i think what blows my mind about the nba and this series is The absolute depiction of this is how so many benches in the NBA end up losing out on opportunities to compete for championships or win a championship because they can't shoot as well on the road as they can at home. I understand the crowd noise and I understand the optics and all of the things that go into it and the reason you're a bench player is because you're not one of the best or the top five. But at the end of the day, your job is to come off the bench and hit shots. And at the end of the day, the basket is the same height and the same distance in any arena you go to. If you're getting paid to do it, you got to find a way to do it on the road. I don't think Kyle Korver's missed a shot at home yet, right, Andrew? No. Dude's on fire. On fire. 14 points the other night. He was a big difference maker in my eyes for that game four victory. But you kind of, you saw that. That that was the writing on the wall after game three. Because, you know, LeBron took it to him at home. And you see when the others... You know, we'll call them the others since everybody else does. Kyle Korver, Kevin Love, Jr. George Hill, Tristan Thompson have been doing a lot exactly. recently. When those guys, well, not so much Tristan because he, he's doing a lot on the uh, on the rebounding, which is key. But more the shooters. When the shooters start knocking down their jump shots, Andrew, their open jump shots, that opens the lane for the king. Well, and, and, and you saw how he, I think he scored twenty of his thirty some points in the paint the other night. And I heard somebody say it, and I think I completely agreed with it. He scored 44 overall in Game 4, and it felt like a quiet 44. Like, you you didn't realize he scored the 44 because I think part one is you expect it out of him now. When he drives and there's a switch, 
and about two or three times in the second quarter. And the Cavaliers could never just get back. In, excuse me, the Celtics could never just get back in the game. They tried. They got the single digits. They got it down to seven points at one point, but they never. They just didn't have enough to get over the hump and even come close to tying that game. And at some point in the second quarter, I think it was like a 15-point game, and three straight times the Cavaliers came down the floor, switched so that Terry Rozier was on LeBron James, and LeBron James literally just took advantage of the size advantage and made a bucket. And all three times, it was three different moves. One fadeaway, one spin and take it to the lane, and you know one step back. I mean, just shows his whole arsenal. And when it becomes that easy for that guy, that scares me if I'm the Celtics moving forward. I mean, has, has, has Brad Stevens watched this man play basketball ever? You know you can't switch and leave Terry Rozier on LeBron. But, Andrew, let me ask you this Well, is part of that not the players, though? Well, listen, I mean, yeah. If you're going to switch to Terry Rozier, you have to have somebody. On the backside for the help. Someone else has to come quick and at least front him and make the shooters make that open shot like they were at home. Does this seem – I have a question for Andrew. How many many games do you think LeBron James has played uh, in the the Cleveland uh, Cavalier arena? The Q, Quicken Loans Arena. In the playoffs or overall in his career? Career. I'll give you both. I broke it down for you. But just give it ballpark, Bob. 15 years, okay? Now, including everything, huh? So really, it's probably 18 years, including the 15 regular season <laughs> and the three years total in playoff games he's, he's, he's totaled. I'm going to guess somewhere in the range of 652. A little lower, Bob. 498. Oh, wow. Was his Overall. Game. Overall. So he just guaranteed number 499, game six. 427 in the regular season and 71 playoff games at home. Wow. See, this is why I don't believe he's leaving this offseason. They're, they're putting a statue of him in Akron right now, or they're raising the money on a GoFundMe page, $1 million, to put a statue of LeBron James in his hometown of Akron for the things that he's done for the community. And there's no denying that. And I agree with that. That is one thing that you can knock LeBron James for a lot of things. He complains too much on calls. He left Cleveland the first time the wrong way. He is kind of a baby when it comes to not getting his way. He probably coaches more than his own coach. Whatever you want to put on LeBron James, at the end of the day, he is an outstanding human being in terms of helping the community, helping kids, growing the game of basketball, and being a phenomenal ambassador. Yeah, he didn't go to college, but at the end of the day, with the hand that he dealt himself, he has done an exceptional job in the community and, and most likely does deserve a, set, a statue in Akron, Ohio. Oh, 100%. I agree with everything you said. The man is beyond reproach off the court, on the court. You know, again, he does do that a lot. You know, he does bitch and complain a lot. And you notice a lot. He didn't get really back on defense in Boston. Well, you know, I, I get it. You know, you were getting your butt whooped game one. Game two was kind of the same kind of flow. And you you were more like complaining with the ref instead of running back on defense. And you know, as LeBron James, you need to set that example for the rest of your others so they know what their role is. In game three, Andrew, five of their players scored in double digits besides LeBron James. Key to a game three victory. In, the, 
the whole first round against the Pacers, we talked about how there were not enough guys scoring in double digits and that there was nobody besides LeBron James averaging double-digit points. Now you're starting to see. I mean, I think this everything depends for Cleveland besides LeBron's shoulders. It's now on Kyle Korver. I mean, this dude showed out in game four. Andrew, did you see that man dive on the floor late in that third quarter, out hustling a 24-year-old Terry Rozier, a 24-year-old Marcus Smart? Kyle Korver ran down the court, dove like an old man, running a relay race trying to get that to that finish line, Tut, knocks the ball, Terry Rozier steps out of bounds, goes back to Cleveland, which stops a mini Boston run. You won't see that in a stat sheet. The queue went wild. 100%. Wild. It was, it, watching it on TV, when you can hear the roof almost blow off of a professional building, you know that that was a monumental play in that game and something that the people, the fans of Cleveland, they felt it. They felt him wanting that. And if you're Kyle Korver, and a lot of young people, a lot of young guys in the NBA should probably watch that and say, hey, you know what? This is a guy, great career. He's going to go down as one of the probably all-time greats, maybe not the statement, but all-time best shooters, outside catch-and-shoot, three-point shooters. Yeah. And he doesn't have a championship. And he knows it's getting late in his career. And he's playing with the best player on the planet. And he needs to take advantage of that. And if you're a young guy in the league right now, you look at that and you say, man, that goes to show you, doesn't matter how good you are, it's not given. You have to earn it. And when you are close enough to get there, you better put it all on the line. That's why I think it's going to be a bloodbath in game five. And it is going to be a fight to the death. I wouldn't be surprised if we get an overtime game. Let me take you down memory lane. 2003. I'm graduating high school. Come get some. Wow. The second round pick. The Brooklyn Nets, well, that down there, the New Jersey Nets, select Kyle Korver. Same draft as one LBJ. I got a little quote from him. I've loved Kyle Korver ever since we made the trade to acquire, to get him here. I believe that was mid-season 2016, 2017. It was a year and a half ago, right? Yep. Had him. Yep. Came from Atlanta. He goes, I have no idea how Griff, you know, their, their GM, David Griffin, was able to pull it off, but he's a true professional. And that says enough for me. Because if LBJ is going to compliment him like that, you know he's a locker room guy. He's going to give you 110%. And you saw that every play he was in, and the dude's a knockdown jump shooter. They always knocked him for his defense. They said all he was was a shot. Three blocks the other night. Three blocks, that's right. Now they say he's playing good enough defense or even lockdown defense with those three blocks, and he's a great shot. Just keep keep giving LeBron his little chips. That's all he needs. Does Kyle Korver become the new Ray Allen for LeBron James the rest of his career? I don't know if we can get a cool nickname like Jesus Shuttlesworth for uh, Kyle Korver, but uh, he got game for sure. That's what they're recreating right now for LeBron, and that's exactly what he needs because of his ability to handle the basketball, he gives other players on the floor the opportunity to be able to have big games for the Cavaliers in the playoffs. And I listened to an interview with Nate Robinson, 
And they talked about Nate Robinson played twice against LeBron James in the playoffs. And the question was, how do you prepare for LeBron James when you're trying to face him in a playoff matchup? And he said, you don't. LeBron James is one of those guys that no matter what you do, he's going to get his. And you have to go into it saying to yourself, man, I really hope he doesn't have a good night tonight. Hopefully it's an off night. And then you have to lock down everybody else that could be a weapon around him and say, if he gets his and then the rest of the team matches his total, we're probably going to win a ball game. And if you think about the Boston Celtics, LeBron James scores 44. If you go with that formula and you only hold the Cavs, the rest of the team, the 44 points, they score 88, you win 102 to 88. But the problem is not only did you lose LeBron James, which you're going to lose that battle 8 out of 10 times, 8.5 out of 10 times in the playoffs, you also lost sight of the other players that are complementary to him that you cannot allow to get space and feel comfortable knocking down buckets. Do you find yourself nervous, Andrew? Mr. I'll take the field against the King? I don't, because I don't believe that the bench for the Cavaliers is going to go in and have the same type of offensive performance that they had in games three and games four. And I think the young guns for Boston, because this is the number that jumped out to me the most in game four that gives me the most belief that Boston can still win this series and will still win this series. There were 15 dunk or layup attempts missed by the Boston Celtics in game number four. Those 15 attempts led to 15 points for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Let that set in for a second. And you say to yourself, they fought the whole game. They battled. They clearly did not play their best basketball. One of their primary defenders, Markeith Morris, had three fouls early and was trying to guard LeBron James. And you know, just as how can you guard LeBron James if you can't be slightly physical with him? That was a factor. And they battled. And they kept battling. And to me, that says they're going to go home. They're going to get back comfortable again. And they've gained confidence to go win in Cleveland if they take game five. See, I think the pressure comes back to Boston. I think Cleveland, not that they were ever worried going down 0-2, but, I mean, they did they did get their butts whooped in games one and two. But Boston, Boston's 1-6 on the road, Andrew. That's a problem. So, I mean. Last year they had this issue, too. So, I got to think that if LeBron takes game five, which obviously I think Boston's undefeated at home, so that's going to be quite the task. And like, like you said, the bench. The that's bench me, has not, to show that's up. me knocking on wood. But, I mean, I don't, I don't find these playoffs exciting at all, Andrew. I don't either. Look at this. Boston won the first two games by a combined 38 points. Cleveland won the last two by a combined 30, not 39 points. No contest there. The Warriors won the first game in Houston by, I think, 11 or 12 or something like that. Then they got their butts whooped by 22 in a lackadaisical effort. And then blow them out by 41 in game three. 13 in the first game. And I agree with you 100%. And I think that's what's most disappointing to me is and watching the Rockets and Golden State series just as a whole. Why can't we play games? Listen, if the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors are inevitably going to end up in the, the NBA Finals, all I want to do 
is watch two great seven-game series, like the old-school Celtics and Lakers, where it was, and I know that was in the finals, but never were the Celtics or the Lakers getting blown out. And when they were, and go watch the 30 for 30s, there's two, there's two parts, and it's awesome. It was a battle. It was a grind. There was shit talking. There were guys hitting people. I think it was Kurt Rambis got got laid out by the guy that used to be the Houston Rockets head coach. Mikhail. I mean, who was like who was like the nicest guy in the entire world, but just out of nowhere, just decided to clothesline him. And then, by the way, regular common foul. Today's NBA. Oh, gone. Gone. Suspension. Ten games. Yes, one hundred percent. But that's what I'm looking for. And then if it ends up being Golden State and Cleveland, and I get that in the finals again, I'm good. But right now, what I'm looking at is a Western Conference Finals that's going to end in five or six games, maybe six games, definitely probably five games. You're looking at an Eastern Conference Final that, yeah, it might go seven, but at the end of the day, it's going to turn into a five-game series in the NBA Finals where we get one good game, a semi-decent game, and three blowouts, and the Golden State Warriors win their third title in four years. Here's my... Here's my two cents for you, Andrew. Take it, take what you want. There's no team in the East, I don't think, that could hang, that could beat LeBron James. I, you know what? Philly, they're trusting the process. They're, they're a few steps away. Boston, I believe they're one or two players on their bench, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, away from really being the cream of the crop in the East. Oh, think and, about this series and, with and those two. Obviously, Toronto is garbage. Because that's LeBron. LeBron is their kryptonite. So my thought is, is there's nobody in the East right now that could take over the King LeBron James. It took Kevin Durant, the second best player in the league, to join up with the best team in the West to overtake LeBron. Just think about that real quick. They took what Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, arguably a solid top three, they added the second best player, an MVP player, somebody who's just as lethal as, a better shooter than LeBron, has just as good of a handle as LeBron. Obviously, he isn't quite the physical specimen as LeBron, but KD is, I believe, the number two player in the world. And he joined forces with the best shooter in the game that we've seen in a while. Add that with the best utility man in Draymond Green. And come get some, Cleveland. I want, come on, give me Golden State all day, baby. And then think, you have James Harden going with Chris Paul, and they can't even sniff within a 30-point game in a Western Conference Finals basketball game. Did you see the looks on their faces during that game? They look like, they look like just beating down rescue sh- shelter puppies. Man. Here's the last thing I'm going to say about basketball before we move on. And it needs to be said. Chris Paul... I'm looking at you. It's time to shine, baby. If the Rockets have a chance in this series, you're going to look at the stat sheet and say, Chris Paul had an effect. If he doesn't, and you look at the stat sheet, and it was not good for Chris Paul, then the Rockets are in serious, serious trouble. 100%, Andrew. The Rockets can't have any type of letdown from any of their players. Tucker, Ariza, Capella, they have to bring their A game. They can't, they can't bring a B game. A C, you know, Danton joked and said they brought their C game. I think he was kind of grading on a curve there uh, because when you get blown out by 41 in a playoff game. That's the F game. Yeah, you know, there's, no, there's nothing you can say about that. I don't care what you say. 
you know, they were hitting their shots, which they were, but again, CP3, after game, what was it, game two, where, where, uh, where Houston won that by 22, he was kind of, you know, he was, he was working his ankle, he was kind of getting the, uh, the work done to it, he was taped up, iced up, you know, I mean, he looked a little injured in game, in that game three, man, I mean, shooting one of seven in the first half, I mean, it didn't look like he was even there, no, no intensity, no hustle, I mean, he did bang those two, those two threes in the third quarter, but I mean, I don't, I don't know, Andrew. I think he maybe kind of faded that injury a little bit. And at the end of the day, would you agree or disagree that his legacy is going to be made on what he eventually or doesn't actually ever accomplish in the playoffs? You might want to ask a State Farm agent that. That's the truth. Well, you know, Anthony, who doesn't bring their C or their F game for that matter? Who's that? Who's that? That's franchise construction. And if you need the best in kitchen, bath, and deck remodels, if you need some interior or exterior design, if you need to remodel and re-love your home, call Franchise Construction at 973-789-6236. Speak to them. Our boy Anthony has done a lot of work with Franchise Construction. He's the best in the business. Next to Hawthorne Glass. He's got some decent, fair prices and is a hardworking fellow. We'll have more work for him on the docket. If you mention AA Balls, you just might get a 10% discount. 973-789-6236. Frank.FranchiseConstruction at gmail.com. We are going to give you a quick NHL update, but we are not going to dive deep because we have decided, since our dedication to... One, Anthony learning the game of hockey, but two, being a podcast that can deliver you somewhat, and I say somewhat lightly, of smart, factual conversation about the NHL. We are going to commit a full Friday morning dab to the Stanley Cup Finals, which will be decided by the time we talk again on Friday. And that's either going to be the Las Vegas Golden Knights, which fires me up, led by goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury against either the Washington Capitals and Alexander Ovechkin, who's searching for his first Stanley Cup appearance in his career, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, if you look real quick and you missed it, have become what feels like a dynasty in terms of a team that is habitually competing to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. The best phrase in sports, Andrew... Game seven. It is going to be a good one. Teaser alert. Teaser alert. Tune in because there's a lot to get to. Nikita Kucherov had five goals in his first five games. He's only scored one in his last seven. If the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win this game, he is going to be a key clog. He was taken off the line with Steven Stamkos, so we'll see what happens there. Again, we're going to dive into this on Friday. The other thing we're going to touch on is the goaltending play by Braden Holtby. 24 saves in Game 6, first shutout of the playoffs. He is going to be a key factor in what happens in that Game 7. And then, of course, we're going to dive into just how good, Anthony, the Las Vegas Golden Knights are and why this is a serious possibility for them to win the Stanley Cup in their first year as an expansive franchise. I can't believe I missed the boat on the 500-1 to 1 odds. For the Las Vegas Knights winning can, the Stan- Lord Stanley. Can you imagine? But Andrew, I can't imagine this. Tampa Bay hasn't scored since the first minute of period two of game number five. 
And that's impressive. That's almost, that's 99 minutes and 27 seconds. I think it was almost bare- an hour, an hour and what is that, 29 minutes? So it's, if he was able to... An hour and a half almost. So they could have listened to our podcast and then probably thrown on two Friday, maybe a Friday morning dab and some, and they still haven't scored a goal? Have not put the biscuit in the basket. Well, we will dive more into that on Friday, plus Lou Lamarillo signing to be the president of hockey operations with the New York Islanders, leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs, who he just turned around and Lou Lamarillo has a, a very... Soft spot in my heart, bringing the New Jersey Devils three Stanley Cups in his time as the primary constructor of that team and organization. So we'll dive into all of that in our Friday morning dab. And if you need to dive into your kitchen, your bath, or your deck remodel, of course, your interior and exterior trim, remember, it is Franchise Construction at 973-789-6236 or Construction. At gmail.com. Anthony, do you know what time it is? We're, no, not at all. It is time to find out what you know about sports. All right, so I picked three questions this week on what does Anthony know about sports that are three different sports topics because I want to really dive into that brain of yours and see what knowledge we can take out. So, the first one, we're starting in the NBA. Question number one, on what does Anthony know about sports? Who was the smallest player in NBA history, and how tall was he? Spud Webb. Ah. One more guess. Five seconds. Five foot three. Yes, he was. Um, Half a point. Uh, Who was he? You know it. Tyrone Muggsy Bogues. Yes, sir. Muggsy Bogues. Five three. The smallest player in NBA history. Moving forward. All right. Hey, I'll give you a half point there. We're moving on to baseball now. Listen, context here, my man. There were three. Major League Baseball players in the history of the game to play 1,000 games at shortstop and also hit 400 career home runs. I will give you a hint on the first one because it's the hardest one. His nickname was Mr. Cub. Cal Ripken. Yep, that's one. Steroid Alex Rodriguez. That's two. Mr. Cub. I'm not going to get that one out of what year? It's a long time ago? Yeah. Cup, Old huh? school Cubs. Um, it's a great day to win two. I think it's a great day to play two. Famous quote. Oh, man. That's a good quote, too. Five seconds. I don't know. Ernie Banks. Ooh. Chicago Cubs' Ernie Banks, Banks was the third shortstop you were looking for. Well, third player to play a 1,000 games at shortstop. That's the key to the question. So, all right. Baseball Hall of Fame, though. Baseball Hall of Fame plus a .5 in there. I guess you had a sack bun, so that's good. So, third question. All right. We are going to move back into hockey. The great one, Wayne Gretzky, played for what organization that went to a Stanley Cup with him as the leader in 1993? And then won a Stanley Cup in 2012 and 2014. What organization? The Kings? 
Ding, 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 ding. All right. How are we feeling today? Did the Rangers win in 94? What does Anthony know about sports? The Rangers did win it in 94. The Los Angeles Kings lost in 93 with Wayne Gretzky. And they never got back again until 2012 where they beat who? Wait, who? What? In 2012, the Los Angeles Kings beat who? Bonus question. Bonus question, Devils? Yes, sir. All yeah, right. Are you feeling it or what? Hold on. Shout out Dustin Johnson. Married. Gretzky's daughter. Paulina Gretzky. Not, not a bad choice. Sir. Not a bad choice. And, and, and a professional golfer. So I'd say Dustin Johnson is doing very well for himself. So that is another version of what does Anthony know about sports. I'll tell you what. Better effort. This, this go around. Way, way better effort. Uh, uh, is that on your end or my end? Angelo Rinaldi will not yell at me this time for getting questions wrong. I shout out with I, I thought I I thought that was a really really good mix of some difficulty, but at the same time there was a little bit of cookie in there. That's you know what I'm saying? Me, that's what throw me a, a what was that? What do you call it when you gas one right down the middle for me? Groove one? A heater? Yeah. Oh, I just grooved it right down the really center. Yeah. yeah. Not like they did for what's his face in the All Star game. Do you know what we call that sometimes? What's that? I don't even want to say it. Ball? Dick high fun balls. Dick High Fun Ball. That is a great Zonk name. Write that down or remember it. Right? That's exactly where you want it. Right there. Right down Broadway. That's exactly where you want it. Well, I'll tell you what. You're New York Yankees. I feel like everything they see is right down Broadway. Their offense is absolutely clicking. I feel like they're breaking records. They've hit home runs in, I think, every game of the season, essentially. Giancarlo Stanton is so creeping. He's creeping. He's playing well. He's getting hits. He's driving baseballs. Aaron Judge is just one of the most consistent baseball players I think I've ever seen. Luis Severino is a, is an absolute ace. And I think we talk about this every week. And and I know we're, we're going to get heavy into the Mets today a little bit more than the Yankees. But we obviously needed to give them their burn because, Anthony, the fact of the matter is, no matter what way you slice it, the 9-9 nine and nine start was merely just them figuring out a new situation and getting comfortable. This is who they really are. Like a good Gliber. My man Gliber Torres is batting 9, Andrew. Batting 9. Went deep twice the other night. That dude, is he's a young, he's a young Thundercat, man. This team is going to be something special for a long time. Be- but, hold on, there's one little thing. I get it. Severino, love it. Tanaka. Sonny Gray pitched better. Yeah, right, exactly. He's pitching better, but against it's against that mediocre, that mediocre line. But it's the same thing with the Mets and Jason Vargas. What would you rather, him throw terrible against them and be like, wow, or go dominate a lineup he should go dominate? No, that, again, that's, that's positive. That's positive positivity, Andrew. I like the fact that Sonny Gray beat up the, the Royals. I like the fact that Vargas beat up the lowly Marlins. You know what? You got to do that. You got to beat the teams that are in front of you. Collect them W's. Unlike tonight, right now, I think the Yanks are losing right now. Cole Hamels, who's been kind of in the news as somebody who really wants to come apparently playing the Bronx. Well, let me ask you this. And again, I said it before and I'll say it again. I know we're going to dive into the Mets. But I have this question for you. You have a wealth of young talent. Where's Clint Fraser? of young talent. Where's Clint Fraser going to play? Andujar is good. You have Drury now in AAA. Glaber Torres is very good. You have 
Ronald Torres, who's also a high-quality second baseman or utility player at the major league level. So my question to you is, do you have to trade at the deadline some of those chips, those young, talented chips, for a starter that can help you win right now? And who do you pick out of that lot of guys to put your bananas on and say, when I'm thinking about mortgaging my future, I'm putting it on you, you, and you, and you and you. You probably could be clogs, but I think you're going to get us something else in return that is going to help us now. That is a, that's the million dollar question. I guarantee those numbers will change. The, the names are going to change up until the trade deadline. Sometime end of what, July, I think the trade deadline. But yes, Andrew, I think Clint Frazier's gone. I believe Andujar's gone. One of our young stud pitchers, Chance Adams, Justice Sheffield, they're going to be in the mix. You're going to have to give up talent to get talent. And I believe we're going to need another. You're not going to get an ace, I don't think. I mean, you could, theoretically. But you got to do what Houston did by going after and getting Verlander. I mean, by, 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 by them getting him and him being Verlander again. Because there was a little bit of stint where Verlander kind of was like, a 500 pitcher uh, with a sub four er, I mean, with a four plus ERA. So, you know, he wasn't the Verlander that we know right now. I mean, he's, he's, he's reverted back to the old Verlander, which is just lights out. But the Yankees do need another arm, whether it's a Cole Hamels, whether it's the, the Fulmer. I know he's been in the mix if he comes back from his injury. Uh, Patrick Corbin at Arizona keeps sliding. I know is a name everybody loves. But let me tell you, I think if we offered. Sandy Alderson, Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, you know, one of our stud pitchers, Tyler Austin. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. But, listen, the Mets are what? Four wins straight. They're two and a half games out of the NL East lead. The Atlanta Braves in the NL East, which is a shock. The Phillies, too. Yeah, you're right. Those two teams are on the come up. But, but you're right. And I think. I don't think the Mets will be out of the. Come trade deadline, but the sellers, question, complete sellers. But here's the question, and this has been the biggest question around the New York Mets: Are you winning now, despite your future, or are you winning now and still finding a way to help your future? You're winning now, Andrew. You just signed Jose Bautista. Chirp, 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 chirp. Crickets. You hear that, Andrew? Did have a double in his first at bat as a New York hey, Mets. Hey, swing, bada, 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 swing. That led to Jose Reyes moving the runner over, and then. A sacrifice fly. Wow, small ball out of small ball out of the New York Mets. How boring could it be? While they were in the process of losing to the Miami Marlins, but my point being, you need to find a way to also build up the talent that you don't have in your minor league system. Yes, Ahmed Rosario starting to play better baseball, starting to play better defense, actually looking like he's going to be a very good shortstop at the major league level. Michael Conforto starting to hit again. You're starting to love what you see out of him. He's getting back into the groove of things. Brandon Nimmo is kind of proving he can be a legitimate outfielder in Major League Baseball. You have something there. Am I going to say it's a lot? No. Obviously, Jacob deGrom. Obviously, Noah Syndergaard. Obviously, if Steven Matz can kind of figure it out and Zach Wheeler can kind of figure it out, you have some some other type of pieces there. You have some all right bullpen arms. I mean, you have Ramos. Their bullpen, as I think it's like, 13 straight innings, scoreless going into last night's game, uh, something along those lines. Good things are happening, but again, I'm going to go back to the point of not having talent. 
And I don't think the Mets are winning the World Series this year. Yeah, great. Would it be good for them to get into the wild card? Sure. And, and with their arms, could they win one wild card game? Yeah, sure. Could they go and win a, a five-game series? Yeah, sure. With their arms, sure. But after that, I don't. I just don't think they're deep enough. I don't think their offense is good enough. So what is our plan? And I think by July 31st, you need to have an idea because we're operating with players that we needed seven years ago in their prime. I don't understand why New York thinks it's okay to get players who are well on the back nine. They're on like the 16th, 17th hole when they come to New York. And it's like, really, dude? Like, you're going to come to New York 37, 38 years old? Like, we're probably going to pick up, we're going to trade to get Cole Hamels for the Yanks. I don't think Cashman will pull the trigger. But, yeah, Cole, Cole, Cole Hamels right now is, I think, pitching a gym against the Yankees, but it is what it is. We're not getting the 2007, 2008 Cole Hamels. We're getting the four, the 3.94 ERA bum Cole Hamels. That's not going to, that's going to get lit up in a, in a, in a band box that is New York. But I digress, because we're talking about your Mets. I think the Mets are, are actually in a good spot. And I get it, that 11-1 that run where you went on, you started, you're like, okay, here we go. And you kind of skidded hard. Good thing it happened, though. You're right. But, like, I think, look at your lineup. It, I mean, It's once, just not good enough right now. you got to stretch it out. Once you get Cespedes back, once yes. Todd Frazier comes back, but you that's added what scares Bautista, me. Wilmer Flores keeps hitting, Conforto. I mean, you, you're... What you have enough, lineup? you're right. You I have mean, enough. Your best, your best player right now is is Cabrera. Am I right? You're you're right. I I, I at least your best most consistent. Player. True, yeah. most consistent player is Cabrera. Yes, I would say now the last week and a half, two weeks, Ahmed Rosario has been consistent. Uh, Brandon Nimmo has been consistent. Michael Ford has been consistent. So here's here's your question though, and and this is this is the thing that I keep coming back to. At this point in time, I'd rather see Brandon Nimmo in the lineup over Jay Bruce. Or I'd rather see Brandon Nimmo in the lineup over Adrian Gonzalez. So, Jay Bruce, in my mind, is going to have to become a part-time first baseman along with Adrian Gonzalez. When one's not playing, the other's the pinch hitter on the bench and vice versa. I want Brandon Nimmo. I want Michael Conforto. And I want Yoannis Cespedes in my lineup the remainder of the year. When I get a healthy Todd Frazier, an Ahmed Rosario, a consistent Drupal Cabrera, and my platoon of Jay Bruce and Adrian Gonzalez, if Devin Mezzarocco, he got hit in the elbow the other night and it ballooned up, but he seems to be fine, has actually been doing a fantastic job since coming over from the Cincinnati Reds. If he keeps just doing that job and Plowecki comes back to get healthy, your pitching staff stays consistent. I'm not asking you to be the best staff in the nation, in the league, excuse me. I'm asking you to be the best staff in the middle of the pack. Number 12. Be number 12 or 13 for me if, from a bullpen standpoint and a starting standpoint. If you look at the squad, I mean, what you're just talking about, you start naming some names. You got some, you got some players. And I, I hate saying it as a Yankees fan, but, I mean, the Mets, the Mets, yeah, you're right. I believe you might be even just sadly a, a starter away from being somewhat lethal. And probably a bullpen arm as well. Right, but you're getting Swarzak back, so – He'll, he'll share up that bullpen. But it, it just, he will, but it's the same thing with Cespedes, and it's the same thing with Frazier. They'll share it up until their next injury. Mizoraco, too. That dude's always injured. Exactly. And even even Syndergaard and DeGrom that and the rest of these dudes. He goes on the DL for 10 days. Everybody. I, it, I just don't understand how this is, is a habitual problem 
in one organization. And that's what scares me is all of these pieces are great. All of these pieces are are have the ability to help the Mets get to the playoffs. And yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are talented enough to make a run. But at the end of the day, I want them to be talented enough to do what we thought they were should be doing at this point in time, and that's having sustained success after the 15 run of going to the World Series. Instead, we went to the top of the mountain and immediately tumbled all the way back down, caught ourselves, and are now just middling around the midpoint of the mountain. And I don't want to be that franchise anymore. I want to be sustained success. And I'm willing to have a 83-79 and 79 season this year, trade away some pieces, but get young dudes back. I love Jacob DeGrom. I love Noah Syndergaard. But if I can win for 10 years as opposed for the next three and trade them away, I'll take that. Wow, you can, I could totally go to like a football reference there. Talking about the Giants-Jets draft choices with the Giants going for the home run now with the young running back where the Jets drafted a quarterback who could be their franchise for the quarterback. Next but isn't that the years. debate all the time? You're right. Listen, I don't have that issue, Andrew. I'm not going to lie to you. The, Andrew, uh, the Yankees have a plethora of young talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got some dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They even got outfielders <laughs> in, the, in, the, in AAA right now that just have no time. Have no, can't, can't, there's just no place for them. So I believe that's why the Yankees are shorthandedly will trade will be sellers and buyers at the trade deadline, if, if that makes sense. Obviously buyers more so than not, but they're going to have to trade away some, some top prospects uh, because I believe Cashman deep down – that's interesting. It just came to my brain. Cashman, you think he'd take back that jury trade knowing what you know now about Andujar, who's come back down to earth a lot since his hot start, but his third base play has been, you know, I would say – Mediocre. How much solid. did you lose? I don't remember who was in that trade. Was it Fowler was in that trade? I'm going to look it up. Yeah, look it up for me. I'll keep blabbering about my Yankees. But or your I don't think he... To answer the question, though, while I do look it up, I, I don't think he regrets it because at the end of the day, you and I both know this is a long season. Mm-hmm. And the best thing in the world is to have the problem of having too much talent. And that's what the New York Yankees have. And I don't want to be that guy, but I'm a New York Mets fan. Injuries happen. And the last thing you want is Anduar's great. Anduar's great. He's great. Uh Uh-oh. And even if it's not an extended period of time, you need that gap filled because the Red Sox are good. The Indians are going to be good. We know the Astros are really good. So you have to find a way to stay above water if those things do happen. So how, why could you regret it when you have a major league third baseman in your AAA organization right now? Right. And that's the, almost the problem that Cashman's faced with because he's got so much talent. Where do you put Frazier? You can't send – I mean, you, you feel bad for Drury. You don't, you don't want to say you lose your job to injury. Because you're going to talk to, because you're going to spell that to, to Drury, but then how are you going to go ahead and you're going to probably start Greg Bird once he gets back off the injury, off the injury, off the DL later this week, perhaps. You know what I mean, Andrew? Like, how do you, how do you tell one dude, sorry, you know, Andujar is playing a good third base and hitting right now. You lost your spot, kid, but then you're going to pull Tyler Austin aside and say, hey, buddy, sorry, even though you're raking, hitting home runs, and you're playing well at first base. You know, Greg Bird's healthy now. That's his position. 
So it's kind of like almost like, oh, crap. It's hard. Like, it, who are we going to... Right. But I, I think that you got to... Stay with the hot hand. I get, I'm going to set... I agree. I'm going to say you're probably going to... You're probably going to start Bird. They're going to they're gonna send out... You're going to have to send down one of these kids. Yeah. Because you, you want them to get constant at-bats in AAA at least. To keep, their, to keep them fresh. Keep them in the loop. You're going to expand in September. On your bench. And you know you'll expand in September. So you know at some point, if there's never again an opportunity between now and September 1st to get them on the Major League roster, you know they'll be able to be on the Major League roster at some point this season again. And Greg Bird will go down again. The dude's only good for 40 to 70 games a year. And So he'll, you'll, you'll find some burn, Tyler Austin. You just got to almost unfortunately wait your turn. Good thing you proved it as you did because you may even be a trade chip. Come trade deadline. He's a name I'm willing to let go as well. Looking back at the trade for Drury, I'll tell you that you'll have an answer for this trade in two and a half years. Okay? We'll still be podcasting, probably on a major network. Hopefully. You traded Nick Solak, who was an infielder. He went to the Rays. He was the number eight prospect, according to MLB Pipeline in the New York Yankees overall system. And you traded Taylor Widener, who was the number 14 overall prospect in your overall organization, and he was a, a pitcher. So those are the two guys you traded away to two separate organizations, one to the Diamondbacks, one to the Rays, because it was a three-team trade. That's how the roster moves had to work for the Yankees. Again, that's how talented they are and, and how deep they are. And if you look at it, you're not going to know about that trade for at least another two, maybe three years, because it all depends on what those two turn out to be and what, actually, this next year and change or however long Chris Drury's a New York Yankee, what happens? If they win a World Series, I don't care, and he's on the roster, I don't care what you tell me, it's a smart trade. Because when you win a World Series, your entire roster matters, even the guys that might not play barely at all. Oh, I mean... I can even say in two, three years, we won't even know if Drury's on the Yankees anymore. That's true. If, if Anduar keeps up his talent. It's true. He, you know? I, I, he won't be. I'm telling you. I really... Or if the Yankees sign Manny Machado. He might make this whole year. And Drury might be on the Yankees this whole year. But after that, I really don't believe he's going to be here anymore. And there's yeah. no need for it. Again, yeah, you're right. And the team he came from right now is the team I think the Yankees need to be looking at towards the trade deadline because they are sliding, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're not playing good baseball right now. There is some pitching talent on that roster. There are some contracts that the Yankees could possibly absorb. And I think if the Diamondbacks continue to slide, it's their third year, I believe it is, with Zach Greinke right now, in a contract that's not necessarily gigantic, but it's not necessarily what you want to pay if he's going to kind of give you what he's giving you. He's, he's, he's doing pretty well, but he's not giving you what you expected him to give you. But maybe that's a guy, if you're the Yankees, you kind of have the money to pay some of that contract. The Arizona Diamondbacks might underachieve. They're currently underachieving right now. It's something to look at as you get towards that trade deadline about two months from now. Yeah, that's we've kicked the tires with Zach Greinke before. And I don't think the New York media or... The, but he did play in L.A. He did, but I he has yeah he's, he has notable uh, issues, issues. Yep. with uh, I think being n- nervous, anxiety, anxiety, something like that. You know, whatever. He's he, it's a problem, no doubt. I, you know, I don't I don't begrudge him for that, but I don't think the pressures of New York would fit him. And you know, we don't need a basket case on the mound any more than we need 
an asshole on her elbows, Andrew. But you're right. Arizona has snake bitten. They've lost 11 of their last 12. And it's not looking good. What's I, wrong with Goldschmidt? Dude? Well, here, I did I a do, little bit of research. The broad side of a barn. So you do a little bit of research and you say to yourself, what happened to arguably one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball, Paul Goldschmidt? Well, over the summer, the Arizona Diamondbacks installed a humidifier in their stadium to limit the offense in the stadium because they their stadium was considered one of the highest offensive places to play in Major League Baseball. Well, the problem with that is your team also has to play offense in your home stadium, and they may have affected their best player and their whole team overall because, one, their lineup is terrible right now. They're batting two seventeen as a team. But furthermore, to your point, Paul Goldschmidt is bad. Listen to this. In 2016, he hit 298 at home and averaged a home run every 19 and a half at bats. In 2017, he hit 321 at home and averaged a home run every 13.7 at bats. In 2018, in the sample size of 86 at bats, he's hitting 140 and he has zero home runs. Gross. I'll take it deeper. Fantasy bum. In 2017, as a team, the Arizona Diamondbacks hit 274 with a home run every 22 and a half at bats. And in 2018, they're now hitting 210 at home with a home run every 46.7 at bats. Did the Diamondbacks front office hurt their own team's chances of winning the World Series? I mean, I was everybody was always talking about their pitching, their pitching, their pitching. I know Robbie Ray is hurt right now. I believe he's coming back uh, relatively soon. Like I said, Patrick Corbin, he's kind of a name that I would like to see play with the pinstripes. Zach Grinke, although got the loss, gave him three. You know, he pitched well against the Brewers the other night, but gave him three home runs. And that's kind of been his MO. That's kind of been like the, the bugaboo with Tanaka as well. He's, you know, these sinker ball pitchers, these guys who don't really rely on, on, on the heat anymore, they, uh, if the, if the balls aren't sinking, you know, they're getting hit out of the park, Andrew. And there's a lot of talk early on about that humid, the humidor out there in Arizona affecting the, uh, affecting the pitching. But I believe it's had quite the adverse effect on all their hitters out there in uh, the dry heat of Arizona. And that's where they say numbers never lie. But I'll tell you what, I'm happy that they're not playing well because the Mets hit them at the right time and swept them in three Andrew, games. So that made me happy. Before you get going, give me a quick, give me a quick update. You got a top five, MLB? Anything changed for you? Everything is pretty much the same. I'm gonna keep making the argument for the Braves being the five seed. What? Because I really think what? that they, they. You ESPN. ESPN has the four spot. See. You guys are all smoking the weird grass, man. I, I don't think so. Let me. I got a Ronaldo power rankings, son. You wanna. You want to write this down. Your power rankings change every 47 seconds. You want to write this down or remember it. Or it's recorded on the podcast, so we'll listen to it later. Right. All right. Well, ESPN's got the Yankees, the Red Sox, Houston, Atlanta, and some team from Chicago. That's false. Which is definitely not the White Sox. No. False, false, false. <laughs> Here's where all these power rankings. Give it to me. This may be a new spot. I'll have to find an advertiser for it. The Rinaldi power rankings. Astros are number one always, Andrew. I told you this. World champs. Until they're dethroned with that pitching staff 
they go five deep, man. That's they're scary good with that pitching staff. Yankees number two, Red Sox number three. Give me the Nationals, Andrew, number four. I know that burns you and at least. They're kind of hanging around down low. They're about three games out of first place. But that pitching staff is filthy. Scherzer, Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez is all right. Tanner Roark's not bad. You know, they'll throw a fifth arm at you. They got speed, Trey Turner. Bryce Harper's kind of batting like 240, but he's going to hit bombs. They have that stud Juan Soto, 19-year-old phenom, top prospect. Shout out on my fantasy squad. Hit a three-run jack in his first start yesterday, Andrew. And I got the Cubs at number five, I believe. Yeah, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. If I had to give you my power rankings, my top five. I did ask you that question early on, Andrew. I'd go Yankees, Astros, Red Sox, Brewers, Braves. Oh, Do God. not sleep uh, on the Milwaukee Brewers. They had the same problem. I said at the beginning of the year, too. No pitching. I said at the beginning of the year, too. Well, right now their offense is very good. And we knew Christian Yelich would go there and be really good. But Travis Shaw is a real stud. He's got 11 bombs and 28 RBIs. And Lorenzo Cain is a legit center fielder. Plus, he's leading the team in hits. They have a legit offense. If their pitching can stay steady... They can be a contender. Will they be a World Series contender? No. But right now, as currently constituted, I think overall they have the fifth or sixth best best record in the league. So, if numbers don't lie, I got the Brewers as the four, and I got the Braves as the five. You are one crazy son of a bitch, Andrew. You know what I have at number one, though, in my heart rankings? What's that? What's that? That's, that's Hawthorne Glass. You know why? Because if you're looking to fix that broken shower door, maybe that tabletop, maybe that screen, maybe those thermo panes, it's warm out. You just want to be be able to open the sliding door and not have any issues with it. Well, call Hawthorne Glass at 973-427-4344 and talk to our man, Angelo, who has over three decades of quality service in the glass industry. I said it, I'll say it again. Shower doors, tabletops, storefronts, windows, thermoplanes, you name it, he does it all. Folks, call Angelo, say double A ball sent you and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne Glass, that's our man Angelo, and that's at 973-427-4344. And that means it is time for a little, what do you got? What do you got? Andrew, recap it for me. I want to hear the cha-ching in my pocket because I'm chasing you like the tortoise in the hair. It was a good week for you last week. Give it to me because I sure don't remember. Anthony Rinaldi chose LeBron James as his player to watch, and he chose the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's a fun guy to watch, Andrew. Is he? I don't know if you've ever watched basketball before. Have you heard of him, LeBron? You may want to tune in. Pretty good player. So Anthony chooses LeBron and predicts 35 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. Triple-double, Le- triple-dip, triple-dip. LeBron James goes out and puts 42 points on the board with 10 rebounds and 12 assists. He clearly called me. Told me, he's, Rinaldi, I'm going to score a few more for you. I said, all right, big dog, do you? The Cavaliers did lose the contest, however. Bums. But Anthony Rinaldi did take 
the give win. One, coach, give me one. Because Andrew chose Dallas Keuchel mm-hmm. and the Astros versus the Indians. Keuchel only went five, gave up like five runs, and the Astros lost five to four. So Andrew drops down in the what do you got to an overall record of seventeen and fifteen, and Anthony jumps up, if you call it that, to a measly fourteen and eighteen overall. Can it get any better? I don't know, but you gave me crap for always making you go first last That's week. That's right. So I'm the chivalry. gonna go first this week. That's right. You go first. And you. What do you got? What do you got? I'm getting right to it. I'm on the dirt. I'm on the diamond. I'm going Mets versus Brewers. Oh, stop. Gross. You are in the love of the Brewers. I'm going Mets versus Brewers. Nobody's watching Mets versus Brewers. And my oh, player God. to watch? Is Jason Vargas. Throw up in my mouth. Why? Jason Vargas. Why am I choosing Mets vs. Brewers? Nobody wants to watch that. Anthony. That game is on Saturday, May 26th at 4.10 p.m. And I'm watching this game for two reasons, and I'm picking it for those same two reasons. A, I do think the Brewers are a very good baseball team. The Mets are having a string of teams that are not very good right now. They're beating them. That's positive. At the end of the day. You need to play well against the best teams in the league. And right now the Brewers are that. That's the first thing. The second thing is, Jason Vargas is coming off a pretty good start. He went five scoreless against the Marlins. Yes, it is the Marlins. They're the worst offense in the league. But it's the same thing as Sonny Gray. It was good. We need another. And if he can go out and do it against the Brewers, who I just mentioned are a very good offensive lineup, the Mets might actually be in the good location that we were talking about. If not, I think this series overall will dictate a lot for the New York Mets. So I will go Mets Brewers. I will choose Jason Vargas. Tune in on Saturday. Double A balls on Twitter and Instagram if you want to let me know how great of a choice that was. Andrew, it's going to be like 85 degrees and sunny Saturday. Nobody in their right mind is going to sit down and watch Mets Brewers. Because they'll probably be at the stadium. Watching it in person. But that's enough about my choice. Anthony Rinaldi, what do you got? What do you got? It pains me, Andrew. I wanted, I want to go, I want to roll around in the dirt. I want to get dirt in them fingernails like I used to do in my youth and go to the diamond. It's tough for me not to choose that matchup Sunday night baseball. Showtime Otani versus Tanaka. That's going to be a huge matchup. I'm all around that one as well. But I'm not. I don't even care about that, baby, because it's game seven, Andrew. The you, ice! You have homework. You better get this out for the crowd. The dab! Get it out Wednesday night, Woo. 8 p.m., NBC Sports Network. Your Washington Capitals versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. It is do or die. Winner goes to play. The Las Vegas Knights for Lord Stanley's Cup. Who are you watching? Who am I not watching? I'm watching the entire Capitals team. Holtby, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov. Give me, you know I got to go goalie, kid. You got to stand on your head, Holtby. There it is. This is where you make that Lundquist cheddar, my friend. For her dude who's never won a title, he sure gets paid a lot. Give me Holtby. Give me the Capitals. 4-3. We're going... They're going to be hosting Las Vegas, actually, right? No. No, Golden Knights would be hosting them. So Washington takes their nice plane all the way to Viva Las Vegas. All right. So we got 
the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Caps, and you're choosing Braden Holtby against the New York Metropolitans, the Milwaukee Brew, Brew Kids on Saturday, and Jason Vargas. Holtby had his first shutout since April 5th, Hockey's, 2017, by the way. Hockey's been a rough choice for the, what he's got historically. It's been it a rough matter. choice. It's a game seven. I can't be wrong. You it's cannot. It's like taking the Master Sunday, you jerk. You cannot be wrong. Well, I'll tell you what, Ant. It's always a pleasure on this midweek Double A Balls podcast. We are going to remind you to come at us on Friday. We will be Friday morning dabbing Stanley Cup preview. We will dive into what was the Western Conference Series, the Eastern Conference Series. Lou Lamarillo being hired by the New York Islanders. What's going to happen in the Stanley Cup? We'll make our predictions. We will dive into it on the Friday morning dab, and you can find that dab at dabpodcast.com, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Podbeans. And you need to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. Tell your friends, tell your friends, social media blitz. DAAB podcast on both poweronperformance.com for the gear, for the apparel, for the coffee mugs, for the whole nine yards. I am Andrew Romanella. That is my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Have a good one, folks. Watch all the sports you can. We can't wait to dab our face off Friday. Andrew, get us out of here. This is the Double A Balls podcast, and we are... This has been the Double A Balls Podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel. Visit PowerArmPerformance.com to get your gear and begin training the Power Arm way today. <laughs>